0: you're listening to brave new words i'm your host ed fortune and you're we're here with i'm ross uh it's just the pair of us for this show uh let's see dell's making a movie producer earl is on the stage directing Size preparing to be on the theatre. Nymphs organising yet another interactive theatre experience. Why are we a book show again? We're, yeah, we could do plays. Uh, we sort of do. Anywho, um, coming up next, a jingle.
1: Starburst Radio, the greatest radio show in the universe. Every Wednesday, 9pm till 11pm. Exclusive to Fab Radio International
0: it was a nice jingle the jingles are good we have had a few comments past. it's like Ed why, why is it always why are there always Starburst jingles on your show and not many brave new words jingles on the Starburst show we don't know but you should listen to the Starburst podcast it is lovely but you should also listen to our show first and you can catch us on social media at Radio Bookgram. if you're listening to the show and you have Twitter please tweet us and just tell us that you're having fun or if you're not having fun then you know tell us that as well and why are you still listening Uh Anywho, or oh, you can also find us on Facebook on the Super Secret Brief New Words Book Club um, and I'm faffing with my Kindle desperately, so I yeah, foolishly got the one with the adverts on for some reason to save myself a tenner. I don't know why but I have in my hand a book called Generation Decks Excellence. An Unofficial History of Magic the Gathering Ah So, um, we should explain first what Magic the Gathering is in case you don't know what it is It's a card game it's a collectible card game, and it's one of the first, if not the first, um, collectible interactive card game. Um, most people know Pokémon better, but yes. Pokémon came after Magic: The Gathering. Magic: The Gathering is kind of the grandfather of this style of game. The way the right, okay, so the way the game works is you collect cards, you buy a starter deck, and then you collect cards to add to your starter deck, and then you build, you custom build a set of set of cards. You hold in your hand and then you play that against an opponent. Each one of you is a wizard, or a planeswalker, as they're called. Okay. And what you do is you play cards, you summon monsters using magic. It's called Magic the Gathering. using magic, or you cast spells, uh, which are things like Fireball, or Channel, where you, you lose life energy and you fire, you, you've got more mana. So you can go, Channel, Fireball, and you play Channel, which takes your life away. And then fireball allows you to turn mana into damage for your opponent, and you spend your life power to 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 burn the other person. Or, and then that person goes, "Aha!" But I've got I've got counter spell, and they play their card that says counter spell. Yep. And there's five colours. Big, big dueling game. Big dueling game. Yeah. Uh, five colours. Red is fire and monsters and volcanoes. Um, green is forests and squirrels
1: and elves. Uh, throwing squirrels at uh, people is much more fun.
0: The the they, there's a thing.
1: Uh, <laughs> squirrels are scroll, scroll type. The takes. game's got thousands and thousands of cards. There has to be a throwing squirrel. There's um, black, which is swamps and necromancy
0: and zombies and rats. Um There's white, which is paladins and heroes and hippogriffs and soldiers and desert um, and blue and blue, which water. is water and magic and Counter it's magic. magic, it's the magic of magic, though. Oh, okay, so it's like countering magic and moving magic around, and mermen and leviathan and this sort of thing, right? So they've got all this kind of and it's a huge game. And every year, uh, two uh, different waves come out with lots and lots of cards, and there are billions of cards, mm. and it is made
1: millions, yeah. and it's a huge phenomenon. There are common cards, and there are rare cards, and there's yeah, and there's, as you say, you're building a deck, and you're buying as many cards as you need to get that deck You and there's yeah there's all the places to trade online
0: and there's ways of trading and building your cards and designing your cards custom building your cards and obviously if you've got a bunch of friends who play they will play in a very specific way so you'll build your deck so you can play against them and then when you go and play against strangers they'll have a different set of cards and there are lots and lots and lots of cards and they've all come out over over the years um, so, what Generation X does is it tries Ooh, book, to. Book. Is, what Generation X, the, the book does, is it tries to give you an overview as to the history. Right. So it starts off uh, twenty four odd years ago with a chap. At time of recording. Uh, at time of recording, a chap called. Uh, it's two thousand and seventeen. was twenty four years ago then. Um, called Richard Garfield. Richard Garfield is a PhD mathematician, nerd. Who likes playing card games? He likes games. He likes playing games as his hobby, sort of thing. When you're chatting away to him, you're like, I've invented this game. Do you want to play it? Um, and, you know, he would just create games, make up games to, to play, to, yeah. to entertain himself and his friends. That's fun. And he created this game called Robo Rally, which is as world famous. No, it's not. Robo Rally is a board game. It's still in print. It's relatively well known, but it's not world beating. No. And it's. RoboWall is this fun little board game that he's created. And it's essentially you program robots and they're on a race. And the robots race each other and they're in a. It's, it's Robot
1: Wars with a finish line.
0: It's Robot Wars with a finish line. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. It's you, 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 you have a hand of guards that you put your program down for your robot and then you don't know if that program's going to work because another robot might smash into you, knock you into a piss. Or it might fire its laser at you twice and you might explode. Or you, it might knock you sideways. So you, instead of going. Onto the finish line, you go on to a giant, rotating, spinny, mashy thing, and so on. So it's a game of frantic, kind of card programming. And using it, he uses very we, sp- we played this game recently. It's programming language, yes. essentially. That's what a Robo Rally is. Yeah. And he'd create this game with his kind of pure blue, cold, mathematical mind. He's like, I've created this fun game which is about programming. Yep. And he turns around to a a neophyte Games company, which called Wizards of the Ghost who hadn't at that point produced their first product, but they'd had experience. They'd worked with a company called White Wolf, who produced games. Um, I'm kind of, rather than the book, telling the history of Magic. But anyway, he's um, to these guys, and he goes, "Like you, you know what you're doing with games production. This is going to be, for the time, a fairly expensive game." We laugh now because games are so board games are so complicated because of the internet and because of. Uh, crowdfunding and because of the, the way that you can source resources yeah. but 20 years ago, only 20 years ago it was quite difficult just to make it. board games are complicated things that Yeah, require a lot of, so they were like oh, it's a bit too complicated, what we want is we want a quick fire card game that can be played half an hour whilst people set up to play D&D or Warhammer or whatever they mm. f- fancy playing, we want something that's quick and fun that we can play, and he's like actually I've got this game called The Five Magics um, and I've, I've come up with a novel way actually of making it because it was a set of it was a set of set
1: cards.
0: Is that like a way of making it a collectible
1: game? This was novel at the time. This was, so yeah. this was one of the reasons it made a lot of money was because it was brand new and it was it, it was edited. a new shiny idea. Mm. And people, when it came out, people, oh, anyway, how? I mean, there'd been collectible sticker albums and things before that, but this was a game which used them. Yes, exactly. So he was like, well, "We could do this. We could do this as a collectible game." And he came up with the idea
0: pitched it as an idea and then had these little alpha decks found the university and people traded between because they couldn't buy them they just traded they just traded right. the games between each other and they were still in this mindset of it's going to be a a set game hmm. so the game almost never happened this is the first thing we learned it almost never happened because the first pro- product that was of course produced um stepped on the toes of someone who is a bit litigious and they decided to be very litigious, unsurprisingly. Right. I'm not going to name names, but mm. uh, you know, if you know games, you can guess. Because um, it's mentioned in the book, Titus, Titus Chalk, who wrote Generation Dex, tells you who it is and explains the situation. They almost get blown up at the last minute, but they, they, they power through. Mm. And what Generation Dex is as a book is it's a story of a company and the business and an idea one of the stories is that the, um, Richard Atkinson, who's the guy who runs the business side of things, so Richard Garfield designed the game, and they are still be testing the game after testing the game, and people are wandering around, playing the game, and the game is like they're like addictive in the campus university campus, people really want to play this game right. and they've got something, and they know they've got something, one of the assumptions they make at the very start, is that they assume that people aren't going to want lots of cards, they're just going to buy a starter deck, and then maybe trade cards between each other Right, and um, maybe get another starter deck and uh, maybe buy one or two boosters. We'll have like a small box of boosters, mm. but you know, just so you can like, fine tune your deck. But you don't want to buy loads of boosters because you know, it's a it's a it's a game. It's an investment, and to play, everyone has to buy their own deck to begin with. And some people are going to object to that because you know, you, yeah, it's it's seven dollars. You know, that's an investment. <laughs> yeah, board games cost seventy seventy to one
1: hundred forty dollars these days. But
0: anyway, so. Um, that's quite an investment, and the, the, that, that's their mindset. And this guy, in, in uh, fairness,
1: when I bought a set of magic, that was probably my my thought on it because I was thirteen or whatever. Exactly, and that's the, the you know they had that,
0: and that was the right mindset. to have yeah uh, at the time, um, and then this, they they take it to Gen Con and they don't have enough product, and they don't have enough product, and they don't have enough product. And as soon as they get, the product appears, it sells out instantly because they don't realize how popular it is. And at the very start, the guys. Got the product in the back of his car, and he's discovering one of two things: either the shops aren't running it and don't like it and don't know what it is and it's not selling, or someone's opened a pot, uh, a deck, someone else has opened a deck, and everyone in the shops become addicted. And <laughs> the, the guy who's running the business, um, this is I'll, I'll go back. The guy who's running the business is driving to the ones that haven't opened the boxes, playing the game and starting the fire, and then moving on and doing this kind of <laughs> mini tier, and. Um, so so all of these games are, are kind of happening. Um, just before then, he was working for Boeing. Right. And, and it's almost like, it's all the way Titus Chalk tells the tale, because he tells a very long tale in a very kind of chatty and friendly manner. Um, there's this wonderful moment where the janitor says, you're working nights on this other product, on this other thing that isn't
1: work. Um, here's some of my savings I want to invest. <laughs> That sentence was ending in a different place than I expected it to. I want to invest. And when yeah. he leaves Boeing, his boss is like, Good luck! I've also invested.
0: Yeah. Um, That's and, awesome. And off he goes with with his and later on when um when they get bought out by Hasbro because of Pokemon, which is like years later, they're having this big meeting and they're like you know, this this very kind of well dressed, very sorted out turns out to be the janitor. Because she's just like, yeah, my, my family thought I was crazy and I was right, sold them. So <laughs> she doesn't quite say that, but, you know, it's like, mm. kind of, I was right and I, I knew a good thing when I saw it. Um, but what Tex Chalk also does is he talks about himself. So he talks about being a kid, living in England, family has to move to New Zealand, he loses all of his friends, he's a nerdy kid. Right. Um, and then he's in New Zealand and they're playing Magic the Gathering because it's yeah. just hit New Zealand when he when he flies mm. over um, and he finds it as an escape. He's he's got that way of making friends, and he talks about whilst growing up because of his family situation, he ends up moving around a few times, and there's always magic, hmm. and there's always store tournaments, or he's playing with his sister, or you know he's playing with friends. He's always got this kind of. This opening ability, and then after a while, you know his life becomes more stable. He puts the game to one side, goes and does something else for a while, and then he suddenly finds himself with a disposable income again. And pow, he's he's playing the game again, and it's just a way into friends. And he uses his own personal story as a kind of backdrop, yeah, so he can also then talk about um, the the game itself. So uh, Magic the Gathering expands and expands and expands and the way he tells the story and I don't know how close this is to the truth but they veer from near disaster to near disaster <laughs> and there's, 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 there's lots of like the game itself where there's lots of tiny decisions that you can make that mean make sure that you'll lose. There's lots of tiny decisions that they make that aren't right mm. and then they're just like oh so at one point they were going to change the uh, one of the things of Magic is there's so many different expansions so you can put so many different cards um, from different decks and on the front of the card the fa- the face of the card you can work out which sets they're from so you can if yeah. you want to organise them into different sets you can but if you don't you just can just shuffle them together because they're all compatible with each other yeah. apparently the first ever expansion was going to have a different coloured back Right. so you could tell hmm. from the person's hand what sort of cards they had Yeah. which is terrible for a bluffing game yeah awful idea hmm.
1: um, So well, it's not necessarily terrible it depends on the game but magic yes in this case yes that would have been a
0: bad idea because yes. like, no, they would know what cards you'd have and also you know, there's only so many colours you'd limit the number of expansions um, so oddly enough they were like they, they changed that at the last minute because of fan mm-hmm. feedback and they kind of just went oh okay we'll do it this way um, and it's full of these little tiny stories uh, we follow the lives of people who uh, the the early tournament players and how their lives were transformed sometimes in a good way sometimes in a bad way Right. Um, How you know the story itself, and then he also talks about internet. Titus talks about internet startups and how Magic was essentially an early pre internet internet startup, it was this kind of tech company because it's tech. The the game design was new, it was a new model thing. It's tech, it's technology, it's Mm. cards and rather than computers. Yeah, it's tech design, and they make very early mistakes and very silly mistakes. Um, just with the way they're managing people, yeah, uh, and they're like, "Hey, let's yeah, let's have fun." Let's oh Actually, too much fun. Too much fun. Not enough work. Too much fun. Uncomfortable staff issues. Oh, how on this isn't a, the, in you know this isn't a jolly adventure in, in creating games. This mm. is a business where people's livelihoods are are involved, and that's also the story of. Um, Dot coms and the dot com boom that also had the thing where people who didn't really know what they were doing, like, I've got a brilliant idea, but I don't know how to run a business. Oh no, my head's on fire, sort of you <laughs> know. Hate when that happens. It, the situation got out of their control because they're, because they're young. Yeah. Um, and that's, and, and Titus Chalk binds this all together you know, this one page turning narrative. Hmm. and it is it's totally like one of those it's one of those nowadays where you're just like oh my goodness you know you just keep going I, and I find myself I mean I confession I play magic I've got a box of magic cards in the corner of the book nook. that I'm
1: confession I've given away all my magic cards
0: no uh, no, I, 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 I'm, I'm not a brilliant anyone. fan
1: of the game but personally but
0: I think a lot of people can't go out of it um, to be honest I was never massively into it
1: hmm.
0: and then when I started being a board games journalist for a Starburst magazine, the Law for Damage call. Um, mm-hmm. among the many, many hats I ever wear for Starburst, um, I the, the nice people for Magic, Magic the Gathering started throwing me cards. Uh, I will. Nice of them. It's very nice of me. Uh, very nice of them. At some point, fingers crossed, I'll have a large box of Modern Masters turn up um, with Modern, Modern Masters twenty seventeen, which is a, another set of cards, and I'll talk about them in the magazine at some point and so on, which is why I have cards. But the way I play Magic the Gathering is not the way that most people play Magic the Gathering. A lot of people will go to Ned Star Wars and play Friday Night Magic and do this thing. Uh, I think you've seen me the way I play Magic the Gathering. I play Magic the Gathering in a bar with friends with several beers, lots of pretzels. Uh,
1: of I haven't actually seen you play Magic the Gathering. We uh, should fix that. We should fix that, but I, I will play it with mostly... I've, I've played other games with you in a bar uh, with pe- a beer and pretzels, but...
0: Uh, it's that, but it's that sort of crowd where you know yeah. there's, there's there's more tattoos than there are people, and we have, you yes, know, but there are bars and p- beer and pretzels. The so. bars and beers and pretzels. It's you know, they're, they're playing the game, and it's you know, it's Manchester. Yeah, I live in Manchester. That's not a secret. In the Fab Cap, we'll sit there, and these are people. You know, these are people who aren't your typical nerds. and want to sit and play games and have fun and get very drunk, and. That's there's lots of people
1: want to do that who aren't necessarily as nerdy and weak as we are.
0: That's very true, but, um, yes Anyway. Um, yeah, let's not pretend it's exclusive. <laughs> it's not exclusive at all, but uh, I just have some really cool friends as well. Um, but, anyway, so, is it any good? Yes. Is it on Solara's books? Yes, it is. Is it out now? Almost certainly by the time we hear this podcast. Um, it's by Titus Chalk, as I keep saying. Uh, it's called Generation Dex Titus had been working on this for a few years you can find I think you can find a sample of it online and it's got do you, I think it was originally called do you wear a cape when you right
1: um, is, is that from the promotional literature of magic or anything
0: no it's just when he's trying to explain it to someone okay uh, which isn't actually in
1: Generation Dex but I think its original mm-hmm. title was "Do You Wear a Cape?" But any changed. I something. think of superheroes rather than magic. Wizards, wizards,
0: wizards, magic cape. you see
1: Yeah, but they wear robes True. or capes. Anyway, that's why it's not called that. Yeah, do you uh, wear a robe? Come on,
0: <laughs> but it wasn't called "Do You Wear a Cape." But if you Google it, you can find like an example If you go on the right, slowest, okay. you go the slowest website. Or you go on Amazon, you can find like the first chapter, mm. and he's he's really good. I want to see more from Titus Shark It's definitely a labor of love. Even if you want into card games, even if you have sat there and gone, but I don't care about Magic the Gathering. I mean, it's nerds. Or I don't care about Magic the Gathering because I don't like the exception rule system. And I don't like the way it works. I mean, like listening the for the last 15 minutes and didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, even if you don't care about the card game, yeah. And you, there's lots of people like yourself who are like, actually, I mean, it's a bit rubbish, and you know, they have problems with the, the game and the way the game's set up and all the rest of it. It's a fascinating story, because hmm. it's a rags to riches. Story that affects people's lives, and this is a game you know, this is a game that starts out as intended as a way of entertaining geeky people for half an hour and turns into a multi million dollar tournament. People fly around the world. Could this be, Book it be
1: turned into a movie like the social network was? Yes, it absolutely could, right? So, it's that kind of story,
0: okay. it's that kind of a story. You would have to rewrite it entirely and yeah. um, if anyone's looking to do that I'll totally write you the script uh, but anyway I'm sure Titus would as well to be honest so I'm sure lots of people would love to live, write that movie um, but yes so should we talk about some
1: other things?
0: Shall we do some bit news? You've got the Edge Lit line-up in front of you there. I
1: have the Edge Lit line-up in front of me uh, So if
0: you bought the recent issue of Starburst Magazine you already know this
1: but let's assume you haven't well, uh, they've announced this, uh, the week of the recording, they've announced uh, the honour and special guest line-up for the Edgelet event, which is in July, looks at calendar, for the purposes of radio. It's um, excellent,
0: Radio Ross well, Weldon.
1: July the 15th. <laughs> Calendar's behind me, sorry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's the fact that we have a calendar full of book
1: festivals just lying there. Uh, which is not being chewed by a bunny rabbit which is good um, I, think I, think, I, I think our listener is you know, currently you know, amazed that we organised enough to have that calendar it's
0: being stared at by a bunny rabbit quite intently well, at any moment now
1: he's going to look at his watch and run away anyway um, so. so among the guests of honour <laughs> um, we have Joanne Harris yay she's lovely she's one of my favourite writers Andrew Michael Hurley cool uh, Stephen Baxter. Hey Science fiction. Ken McLeod. Hey. Peter Newman. Yay. Hey. I, I really like the malice
0: and The Vagrant, to be honest. He's got another one coming out soon. So I, I have a copy of The Vagrant
1: I need to read. Uh, Jeff Noon. Hey, 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 hey. Manchester's Manchester's Weirdest Son Oh god, there's a that's a difficult contest to be top
0: of. <laughs> oh gosh, have you, have you read this? Oh my word! I can't wait to meet Jeff
1: you know? I'm really looking forward to it, actually. And we have a special guest of Samantha Shannon. Hey, um, it's always a good lineup. Okay, yes, it is. Yeah, uh-huh. um, and I don't know how many people of these people will be running workshops and such on the day, but that's uh, usually we- a thing that happens.
0: We will be there. Uh, the Brave new Words crew will be will be there. We'll probably be popping up the bar. You can grab us randomly. We might be doing a show. We might not. I don't know yet. I'll have to have a word with the organisers. So we might be doing a show, which you can participate in by being there. um edgelet is is essentially
1: it's held, held at the quad in Derby, uh, roughly July time of year. I would. It's, it's the non Christmas version of Sledge Lit. Yeah. Just the Christmas version of it.
0: That doesn't help. Uh, well, we've talked about it before on the show, but it's essentially a industry party of which the general public is invited to. Yes. So there's plenty of book launches and there's plenty of stuff going on, and it's that um, medium small press, and there's no such thing as the medium press, but small press to major press. So you'll have you'll have people from Golance there, and you'll have people from the other. Yeah, of large companies, but you'll also have um, Fox Spirit and the horror company, and all these other mm. really cool uh, newcon books. You'll have all these really cool kind of cutting edge small press book companies, and also you'll have the, the kind of the big companies. All rubbing so- soldier shoulders, soldiers so- shoulders, all rubbing shoulders. Yeah, the I don't fans. think you rub soldiers. Yeah, you can you can rub them. They they might like it. it depends. um <laughs> All rubbing shoulders with each other. Yeah. And and that's fun and you know the fan and there's fans everywhere and obviously if you're in the book industry you're a fan as well. Yeah. And it's this kind of very fun, a friendly book event. And if you're a word nerd, it's great if you're thinking about trying to get published or thinking about writing. It's great if you just like talking to authors.
1: Yeah. And because there'll be authors, there will be for that matter, editors and agents to an extent. To a greater or lesser extent, anyway, They've, they do have people who you know, work in the industry and who publish other people. And it has the
0: advantage of plenty of book launches and reasonably yes. priced bar.
1: So, not to mention, there's usually you know, glasses of wine available at the launches.
0: Well, the book launches will have wine and and orange juice and orange juice. Um, and typically, there's there's enough there for you to get socially lubricated without it being messy. Yeah, um, it's it's a it's a party, but it's not really. It's a, it's fun. Mm. If you I've, never, I've never encountered anyone to get you know it's not it's not like a drunken booze fest it's just a quiet nice nice, nice weekend or nice day away it's kind of fun and we're big fans um,
1: and this year also they're hosting the David Gimmel Awards they are and
0: also Brave New Words will be hung
1: because we're at a wedding the day before
0: <laughs> in Cardiff which is not in Derby um, but that's a, that's a different story and not news um, talking of news uh, V. Schwab's superhero novel Vicious is to be turned into a movie by Ridley Scott's production company Scott Free and the story mining sup- and supply company Vicious as the title supplies is a different sort of superhero tale and uh, indicative of going backlash, backlash against superhero movies um, Schwab's got her, um, her dark shades of magic Red London, White London, Black London those books, right? they're being turned into a TV series by apparently Gerard Butler's company.
1: Okay. Uh,
0: but I've not heard anything about the production of that. We, just, we know that's happening as well. So what we do know about V.E. Swab is they're very good at getting their books into TV and movie deals, but they're also great books. So... Mm looking forward to that if, I think Vicious might end up being one of those ones that's marketed as a kind of this is the you know this is the Shane of the you know the cowboy movie Shane this is the this is the um, anti-Western version you know how you had Westerns and we had anti-Westerns right okay so like people keep comparing superhero movies to Westerns because they want them to stop and Westerns stopped eventually <laughs> um, I think that's unfair inaccurate nonsense but still Um I think Vicious is probably going to be one of that breed of forthcoming superhero movies like Logan is now, where it's about something that's other than superheroes. It's, yeah. It's about you know, uh, human lives being affected by um, a world of superpowers. Um, other news? Um, let's see. Clark, Clark Award submission list has been announced. Um let's see uh, this year's clock award judges have received 86 titles from 38 publishers uh, mm. and for the uh, weekend yeah uh, and independent authors they include uh, Savant by Nick Abnett, All the Birds in the Sky by Charlie Jane Anders Dark Matter by Blake Kratt, and After Atlas by Evan Newman well, I predict I've said this a few times but I predict After Atlas will do very well okay I, I, I've never seen a more obvious Clark Award made in the book <laughs> in the nicest possible way, because I adored after artists, but I just sat there going, This is a Clark Award novel. Uh, I can guarantee it won't be won by Dave Hutchinson. It should be, but it won't be. Uh he'll get nominated. Um you know he'll be like on that list but he won't win it. Uh, talking of talking about If people, you disagree, vote. Yeah, if you disagree, vote. Uh, same with um the, the British Science Fiction Association Awards, which are going to be at EasterCon. Um, the awards will be presented at a nominate, uh, the 68th of EasterCon, um, which this year is taking place at the Hilton Birmingham Metropolis on the 14th to the 17th of April 2017. revenue Words will be there, be lovely to see you. Um, I will be doing a day's worth of podcasting uh, with various guests, so it'll be an unusual series of shows, because it won't be your standard-proofing words. Um, but it'll be a whole bunch of stuff. Dave Hutchinson is also on the shortlist for that one. You should vote for him, if you can. Please give Dave a prize. He's really good. Uh, <laughs> he's really good. He always gets nominated, isn't it? He? He's always on the shortlist. I always look at the shortlist and go, you're not going to win, are you, Dave? <sighs> he's, but he's... he's, uh, he's alternate Europe books are brilliant they are uh, appropriate to the political world right now, they're fascinating they're dead out on and they are thrilling and he should win something um, honestly, if he still doesn't win, I'm going to make a prize myself out of tin because uh, we don't have awards
1: So I mean, the, the, Brave New the Brave New Words Awards although oh, that, that would be scary
0: we don't have awards,
1: do we? no hmm. anyway, okay so we're going to have the, the Dave Hutchinson Award. <laughs>
0: the Dave Hutchinson Award. Awarded to Dave Just Hutchinson. for you.
1: <laughs> Awarded to it's Dave... a prize choice of winner, considering we haven't yet nominated anybody else.
0: Actually, no, surely you have the Dave Hutchinson Award for people who, don't, who deserve to win awards but don't. And then don't get to Dave Hutchinson. Sorry, I'm really sorry. That's awful
1: and mean, but also kind of funny. Erm... Um, Let's if you think we if you can think of any other categories we should have, write in. Or text us at Radio Bookworm. Um but Just gonna, you know, just you know, during the daylight hours.
0: Um Uh, Might as well, I'm still awake. Um, (laughs) Hey, insomnia. Uh, Bram Stoker Awards shortlist has also been announced. The the Horror Writers Association uh, has announced the final ballot for the 2016 uh, Bram Stoker Awards. Uh, Again, you have to be going to StokerCon, which is not on the calendar because it's in California. Uh, Long Beach, California, April 29th. You can find more information on horror.org. Let's see what else. Uh, Cornelia Funk. To write again. Cornelia Funk. Amazing. Okay. Name. Yes. Uh she's a she's the person who Incar. Okay. Uh has rejoined her former publisher, Chicken House, following a previous dispute. Um she fell out with Chicken House and Little Brown, uh over reckless over editorial disagreements. Um she's now writing sequels to um to the, the, the Mirror World 2, not Mirror 2, is to Dragon Rider, which is a book she wrote about 20 years ago.
1: Okay.
0: Um, which is all very good. Um, yes, uh, Rebellion are doing a bunch of reprints from stuff like um, One-Eyed Jack, which is essentially... Right, okay. Hang on. Let me... Set watch. a scene. Set a Tell scene. us a picture. So, there was a company called IPC, and they did comic books. Right. In Britain and they did Pulp Kids comic books and comic anthologies like 2000 AD like Eagle like Warlord ok uh, like Starlord even uh, Victor Tornado did we review some of these a while ago we've talked about them recently right ok uh, we talked about Rebellion recently uh, and about the history of 2000 AD recently but anyway this could no, I mean,
1: we we reviewed some war comics I think but anyway. oh we did
0: Commando Commando or not IPC ok they're DC Thompson. who are the same people who were responsible for the Beano. Right. Different set of kettle fish. What happened was this. IBC mm-hmm. got bought by Egmont over... I think they got bought by someone else who got by, or bought by Egmont. And then you ended up with this really weird situation. Because Egmont essentially have a lot of licences for doing Disney stuff in Europe. Right. And they had Thomas the Tank Engine. And they had... Um, which isn't Disney but they had licenses for lots of kids comics yeah and lots of kids stuff and then they also had 2000 AD right and a huge back catalogue of 70s, 80s and 90s um, boys adventure comics right and the, the the market had kind of drifted away from boys adventure comics because the, the will wasn't there really mm. it wasn't so much that they weren't making a profit it was a lack of will from IPC because it was the the lower end of the profit margin you could make more money out of just licensing yeah. other stuff so the the profit margin wasn't as strong so Egmont bought all of this stuff basically so they could have a bunch of the kids licenses um, and then there was a problem because you would people would try and get in touch with Egmont and go hey we want to do uh, we want to license um, Judge Dredd costumes because Judge mm. Dredd is cool and they would be like, uh no, because if our company gets dragged into a bad reputation, then we lose our Disney lessons. So no. No, 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 no. So Rebellion ter- uh Rebellion, which is a video games company, turned around and went, We'll buy two thousand Okay. Not uh not from WH Swift's, we'll buy the whole thing. So they bought that and then they were like hang on there's a back catalogue there's a huge back catalogue of stuff like Mac Zero and these sort of British comics One Eye Jack and all these kind of really cool comics um, that can't be reprinted because Egmont have the rights right. so they've spent a bunch of years essentially playing poker with Egmont because you don't want to be too keen because yeah. they'll put the prices up you don't want to be not too keen because they'll suspect something and they they're both kind of and on the other hand there's a guy who's responsible for all this IP who's sitting there going, All oh, this IP I can't sell, I can't use but if I don't get a good price for them, I get told off. So the 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 apparently there's this conversation where they were trying to get Misty, which is a girls' horror comic from
1: the seventies. Yeah.
0: Um which again it's all brilliantly well but the because one is
1: it Bunty was it one is that kind of line or yeah, Mi-
0: Mi- Misty Misty was a right so 70s comics had, I don't remember
1: Bunty that well but uh, so Com- know it
0: was that kind of 70s co- horror comics had a, um, a like a editor yeah uh, like a fictional editor Misty was presented to you by a witch right had been burnt and um, but she was like a beautiful girl mm. I mean, she, really she was a witch she was a ghost right and you it was full of these really haunting hmm. girl, young lady, girl-focused horror hmm. strips, and it sold brilliantly well, but it was too fiddly for the number crunches. It's a short right. version. It was. It wasn't a. Po- it's a common mistake with people are going, "Oh, they weren't that popular." You well, know, they were popular enough. They just yeah. weren't. They just weren't profitable, profitable enough for you to buy a yacht. Right. And ultimately money when he, when he talks mm. it's one of the problems of capitalism, but one of the many problems of capitalism so you had all of this I've, I've gone way off on a tangent for this one news story, but anyway <laughs> so they they end up negotiating and there's this wonderful thing apparently the the the, the way the story's been related to me is there's this moment where he goes, "So how do you feel about misty shall we take that off your hands and the guy takes a long a long sip of his wine and goes. About all of Roya, the Rovers? we don't want that. And it's like the it's like the trading cards, where they're just yeah. trying to trying to you know negotiate. And they ended up they ended up at the end of it, scoring how much of the lot. Yeah. Tell you what, hmm. it's if it, is it going to be easier for you for us to take it off your hands? And they're like, yeah, yeah, because it would make a nice little number on our, our quarter hmm. quarterly report we sort yeah. this thing that we can't do much with that, that we don't intend to doing much with and it boosts our profits by X so yep. brilliant brilliant job done pow so they've got all of these rights and now it's up to Rebellion to sit and go through all of them and slowly reprint them mm. um, I was chatting away at someone recently who was like well what's what's the profit in that it's like who cares frankly me you know, providing they make their money back on selling them, it's now back in the public domain. You can now read these stories again. They're now accessible. Mm. That's, that, that should be the top the, 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 the top part is, you know, I'm not going to lose my house. I'm going to make a small amount of money and also this art comes out. So, so. is this
1: reprinting existing stories from the census or is this new material set in those worlds? At the moment,
0: they're reprinting the existing stories. Right. You never know, Misty might come back. That'd be amazing. Mm. The atmosphere is right for Misty to come back okay yeah because there are plenty of you know because why shouldn't girls read horror comics yeah no definitely and um, why shouldn't there be a comic that's marketed for women uh, that's read by men why not why, why 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 shouldn't that be a thing well, anyway, I'm thinking I want to read it but I do as well hmm. but you know there you go but it's anywho um, so new comics coming out new comics coming out Um, yeah. mm, Hilary Bailey Moorcock passed away earlier this this year. She was 80. Uh, She died suddenly while she was editing her sequel to Fifty First State. She was married to Michael Moorcock for nine years from 1962 and they had three children together. She is survived by her ex-husband and her children and her grandchildren. Uh, Edward Byron, the Nebula award winning author, has also passed passed away after a long illness. He was 71. Um, you will probably know him from from The Baku, Tales of the Nuclear Age or Among the Dead and other events leading up to the apocalypse. He who wrote post apocalyptic stories. So hmm. kind of kind of kind of oh mm. um and a final piece of news. And so you
1: Well recent announcement because um 'cause I'm quite excited about this thing that's is coming out later this year um, as we know, we've mentioned, the David Gemmell Wars just now. The and obscure piece of knowledge about David Gemmell was a, as a, who's very well known as a fantasy author, but he also wrote a thriller called um, which was released under a pen name because it wasn't a fantasy novel. It was published under the name Ross Harding. Uh, it was called White Knight Black Swan, and it's you know, because and it hasn't been reprinted since because it didn't do that well. Until, oh,
0: forgot no, that one no,
1: that's not it. <laughs> no this year they've announced first of all they are re-releasing this novel so if you haven't read this modern day thriller by David Gilliland it's being released it's a hardback I think it's coming out September, October sort of time Um, but they've also discovered something else which is they've gone through his notes over the last decade or so since he passed away and they've discovered another thriller which he wrote which was never published
0: which I was just pointing to a moment ago. Yes, which, which Ryan Kings.
1: Yes, and this one will be out, I believe, in about July. We've got it on the to be read shelf. One of us will
0: read it and talk um, to it. Oh, no, this. no, no, both of us will read it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm reading it. Uh, so yeah, so we have a lost novel, which we have two novels by this man who uh, who's been sadly de- departed a long time ago. Talking I'm quite about excited.
0: To, yeah, no, but, it's very exciting when um, they're, they're re-releasing. Um, uh, the uh, no, one one of the Tolkien stories, and it's the Elvish love story as well. That's oh, right, okay. As well, um, which has been out several times before, mm. but it's been repolished. and That's kind of exciting. Um, talking of lost things, Samuel French, Theatre the Bookshop, is to close due to Ooh. high rents. Uh, it's a London-based bookshop. It's been in London since 1830. It's been like in various right. places in London since 1830. Um, the private company that owns the rent. All my bookshop has raised has raised it by two hundred percent because London is silly with its costs um and it looks like it's gonna close Ooh. um Derek Jacobby amongst others is was, was absolutely outraged um derek jacoby former former master from doctor here never mind twice. Rest, never mind the rest of the stuff that he's done um twice Sc- scream the shark oh yeah of course um. <laughs> what I suggest to Samuel French is move to Manchester all the rest of us are you know, yeah. you know London's too expensive and it's now owned by people with too much money who want to, make, to extract as much money f- and fun from you as possible move to Manchester Yeah. because like you know everyone else involved in the creative industry has so you know come join us for, it's, it's nice here we've got cookies and the beer's is cheaper um, and our breweries are still open uh, unlike the ones in London that are closed because it's too expensive, so
1: yeah, that ended on a political note.
0: <laughs> it did, didn't it? But I'm like, go. Um. Yeah, but we live in Manchester. We like bookshops. Yeah, we live in Manchester. We like bookshops, and there's bookshops. There's hand bookshops. There's lots of hand bookshops in Manchester because the rents are reasonable. We also uh, have
1: waterstones, which we have waterstones on the outside.
0: Yes, that's the, that. That is also a very large bookshop. Uh, there's two, actually. I was confused. well, there's a
1: few of them, but yeah, but the been in the news recently because they've they, cause oh because they had... of the stealth waterstones
0: yeah. yes this is like, I'm surrounded by books so this is not a waterstones because there's independent bookshops that are actually in fact waterstones in disguise dun, dun, dun. Uh, I don't really care for any of the books that are good and yeah. artists are being supported I don't really mind um, a controversial opinion I don't as are
1: employing people and paying wages and, yeah. I you I think it's
0: a controversial opinion but if you disagree at Radio Bookworm on Twitter um, shall we leave I think we should remind the reader to tell all their friends and subscribe. Uh, he said in a slightly crazy way. Um, and yeah, if you've been listening, thanks for
1: listening. And, and if uh, you haven't been listening, what? Uh, it's <laughs> a bit strange, really. You've just been playing it. If you haven't been listening, we're not. you know we, go. You can do something else now. Well,
0: interestingly, Hartley uh, the bunny has been doing hand signals all the way through. pause so, signals. Uh, yeah, we pause, Okay, but, but he's been you know translating us to 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 Anyway, I'll stop that because it's nonsense. Shall we leave? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. Bye for now.
1: Bye for now. (laughs)